Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Howdy and welcome to February in Pennsylvania, right? How great is it to be together if you're online with us or on campus, or maybe you're watching this in the future sometime online with us. It's um, the week that some Yinzer Roden said there's going to be six more weeks of winter. If you don't know what that is, you don't know Pennsylvania. Yinzers are out by Pittsburgh, and some little hairy thing got out of a hole, saw a shadow, said six more weeks. I don't know if I buy it, but... Hey, who knows? Welcome to February in Pennsylvania. I love that we have the opportunity together today to jump into God's word and learn and grow and reflect and be changed. That's why we do this together. So I wonder if you've had that terrible hacking cough. You know what I'm talking about where you hack? Not the vid. Just like this hacking (laughs) cough where you go to the doctors and you got that cough that it's kind of like clears the room and mucus goes everywhere and you sit down in the doctor's office. Imagine the scenario. You sit down and you're hacking like that and the doctor comes in and goes, hey, do you want to get well? Like, what do you think? This is just like, my bark is something I, and he goes, well, you know what? I don't think I can do anything about it. You should just go home. You're fine. Like, you'd be like, what the heck is wrong with you? Are you kidding me? Do something about this bark, because I'm spewing mucus everywhere. If you were stuck in the snow or stuck in the dirt and a tow truck driver pulls up, rolls down the window and goes, hey, what's going on? Are you stuck? What does it look like? Yeah, I'm stuck. Well, I can't help you. Close the window and keeps moving. You'd be like, what the heck? If you see someone stuck, if you know someone's sick, if you know someone's struggling, and you ask the question, hey, do you want to get unstuck? Do you want to get well? You better be able to do something about it or don't ask the question. Just keep rolling, right? And so I think of Jesus. He's able to look at all of our lives, and he sees the traffic jam we all find ourselves in. And he looks at how we're stuck, Maybe you're stuck in a no-end job, like a sort of dead-end job. Maybe you're stuck in some kind of toxic relationship. Maybe you're stuck in some kind of addiction. Maybe you're stuck in boneheaded decisions that you do over and over and over again. Does the God of the universe look at you and care? Or does he just keep rolling? Ah, fix it yourself. You're stuck with it. No, no, the God of the universe sees our stuck, our suffering, our sin, our boneheaded decisions. He sees that. He not only has the desire, but the ability to do something about it. The question isn't, does he have the desire or the ability? Maybe the right question is, do I have the desire and ability to listen to it? With whatever prescription he writes, am I willing to listen to the one who made me? Or am I the one that just kind of rolls along going, yeah, I heard what you got to say, but I'm not really interested in what you got to say, so I'm going to keep rolling, and I think I'm stuck, and I want help, but I really don't want help. The God of the universe made us and knows us, but I rebel against him, and I ignore him, and I wonder why I find myself stuck over and over and over and over and over again. And that's kind of what we're going to see today in John chapter 5. Jesus's closest earthly friend, John chapter 5, captures this story for us where a guy is stuck, and it might be a kind of stuck that you can understand. God, as we open up your word today, thank you 
for Puxatani Phil. God, thank you for yinzers. Thank you that we can laugh and talk to you about uh, everything, that we don't have to sanitize our thoughts, that it's February in Pennsylvania and we don't like that it's cold, but we're so thankful we haven't had snow and we're eager for snow and all the middle of like seasons and snow and cold and change and tradition and family and football and life. You wanna know about every single thing and you wanna intersect with every aspect of who we are, even silly traditions with rodents coming out of holes. You love us. And you see and know that we get ourselves sideways all the time. And your word today has something for us. So speak to us and use your word to change us and grow us and to convict us and to comfort us and to teach us. I pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. John chapter 5, verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Let's get some context here. Jesus goes up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the capital city. It's the center of Jewish worship. But Jesus doesn't go to the temple. He goes to this gate where there's a pool. And imagine this, there's a pool, and around the pool is covered colonnades. It's kind of like a resort, right? It's a pool and a bunch of gazebos, and people are sleeping and swimming and sipping pina coladas. Not really. <laughs> Verse three, here at this pool, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. So Jesus approaches this pool and there's shade there, and there's a ton of people lying around the pool, but it's no resort. It's actually more like an ER. It's more like an emergency room. In the ancient world, there weren't hospitals, so people would go to this gate. There's something about this gate, this pool in the city of Jerusalem, where people understood that the pool would move in such a way that if they got into the water at the right time, legend said they could find healing. And so if you're desperate enough, if you're blind and you're lame, and if you're struggling, if you're sick, your heartache, whatever it is, you come to this ER, this hospital, if you want to get well. And you might think, well, how pathetic, right? How pathetic is that? People just lying by a pool waiting to get well. But when you're desperate, and legend says that's where God's going to show some kind of particular mercy, you go there because you're desperate. That here maybe, just maybe, God is going to heal you. And I love this about Jesus. He comes to celebrate this Jewish festival, and he doesn't go to the center of worship where all the religious elites are. He goes to the hospital because Jesus came to earth for sinners, for people that are broken and sick, not for the well. They don't need a doctor. He comes for the sinner and the sick. Verse 5, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked the man, do you want to get well? So we're introduced to a man who hasn't been able to walk in decades. He's lying by the pool for 38 years. And out of hundreds of people in the ER, Jesus finds this guy, hears his story and asks him, do you want to get well? Like, 
Jesus, are you kidding me? Verse seven, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. He's lying there for 38 years. Think of it. He can't walk and he doesn't have anyone to help him. So how does this guy eat? How does he make money? How does he go to the bathroom? How does he clean himself? He's alone, helpless, hopeless. Imagine what it must be like to have Jesus say to him, do you want to get well? Like, no, duh, bub. I'm lying here. I'm desperate. I can't do anything for myself. You're asking me if I want to get well? And he has no idea who Jesus is. Verse eight, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Yeah, right. Like, Jesus, you can help me get into the water, but really, you're just gonna say with a word, get up? But in that moment, the man listened to Jesus. What does he have to lose? And things start firing in his legs. Verse nine, at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. In a flash, a guy goes from being paralyzed to walking and carrying his yoga mat through Jerusalem because he obeyed Jesus's words. Now, I want you to notice something, that of all the people in this hospital, Jesus picked this one man to put on display his character to all men and all women, that Jesus is gracious to people who don't deserve grace. This is just his character. This is who he is. This guy doesn't know anything. He didn't do anything to get this miracle. For whatever reason, the Bible doesn't tell us, Jesus pinpointed him and showed him undeserved grace. Of all the people, he picked this one guy who's been laying there for 38 years. And he's gracious to him, not based on anything this man has done or not done, but based on the character of Christ, that God is gracious, which includes he's merciful, he's kind, he's loving, he's compassionate, he's empathetic, and he shows this God, shows this, em this empathy, this compassion, this mercy, this grace to every one of us all the time, we just don't see it. We just don't notice it. We're not aware of it. So wherever you are, in whatever train wreck you're in or whatever traffic jam you find yourself in or whatever struggle, hear this about God. He is gracious to you regardless of whether you see it or don't and it's not because you deserve it. It's just who he is. He's just gracious. He's just kind. And in this moment, the story takes an interesting twist. Verse nine. Remember, Jesus is in Jerusalem, center of Jewish worship, and all the Jewish elite, the religious people are there. And they see this guy carrying his yoga mat through town. Now, he's been laying 38 years at the temple in this court area. He's probably recognizable to everyone, right? He's the guy that stinks, that's laying by the pool every day. And now he's walking through Jerusalem carrying his yoga mat, and the religious elite see him. And they immediately go like, what's the deal? There, he's carrying his mat, and you know, in their religious rules, you can't carry anything on the Sabbath. Here he is walking through town with his yoga mat, and this bugs them. 
And instead of celebrating that he's walking, they're concerned he's breaking religious rules. So they speak up. They're like, hey, who told you you can carry that mat? And the guy's like, listen, I have no idea who the dude was, but some guy came up to me and said, get up and walk. So I picked up my yoga mat, my legs start to walk, and I'm just running and dancing, and I don't care about your rules. But these religious guys care. The man had no idea who healed them, verse 13 says, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. And this healing highlights something that's interesting back then and today. What a difference there is between religion and relationships. That religion promotes law and rules, get it right or you're wrong, where relationship is all about love. Just show up and receive grace. This man receives the grace of God, but these religious elites can't even see the mercy and grace he's been given, that he can walk. Instead, they're fixated on rules, and that's what religion does. Side note for you today, if you're more concerned about rules then noticing the mercy and grace of God towards people that are suffering, you need a doctor more than anyone else. I'll say it again. If you're more concerned about people getting it right than receiving the grace and mercy of God in the midst of their suffering, you're the one that needs a doctor. The story takes another interesting twist, verse 14. Later, Jesus found him, this man at the temple, and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. I mean, what? Like, mic drop moment here. Jesus, like, heals this guy. The guy gets up and walking. He's jumping around with his yoga mat. And Jesus finds him in the temple courts and says, dude, I'm so glad you can walk again. Stop sinning or something worse is going to happen to you. Like, thank you, Jesus, for that truth bomb, right? Like, what's going on here? And if this guy who can walk again hears this from this dude, he doesn't even know who it is, I would imagine he's going to think about what Jesus said. And there's all number of reasons why Jesus might have said this. Did Jesus mean that this guy's sin was the cause of his illness? Did this guy suffer these past 38 plus years because of a decision or decisions he has been making? It could mean a whole number of things, but when this perfect son of God says to anyone at any time, stop sinning or something worse can happen to you, you pay attention. It doesn't matter what the context is, it's a true statement, regardless, and it shows us another aspect of the character of God in Christ, that Jesus is truthful to people who don't want truth. I mean, this guy in his suffering didn't want to hear about truth. He just wanted to be healed. Who wants to hear the truth? None of us, especially if we're struggling. And yet, the truth is what sets us free. So Jesus gives this warning to the man about sin, that sin causes all kinds of things to happen to us and to the people around us. And as humans, we often think of sin and we try to minimize it. We don't like hearing about sin. We talk about sin like a little white lie, right? I'm just a little buzzed. I'm just a little high. I just took a little bit of money. We, we, we minimize sin and we make it small. It's just a little thing that I did wrong. But, but to God, sin is a big deal. Right In his perfect, holy character, it offends him in every possible way. 
Sin has the way of marring the image of God stamped on all of us and the people around us. Sin is described in the Bible as trespassing, right? So if you walk up to a place and there's a sign that says do not enter or a sign that says no trespassing, but you go in anyway, you have crossed over a line into something that's not yours. And so when we sin as humans, we cross a line and we say, I own this when God's like, no, your life is mine. I gave you breath. I gave you gifts. I gave you a story. I gave you everything you have. It's mine, and when we sin, we trespass against God, and sin is not small, it's never little. All sin, every sin, in attitude and in action, offends God, and we're all sinners. We all are. We all fall short of his glory. So for God to say to anyone, anytime, stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you, is a true statement, because if you and I continue in our sin, Hard, suffering, difficult days in this life and the life to come are ours. Sin brings suffering and difficulty and hardship and heartache and pain into this world. If I keep ignoring God and rebelling against God and trespassing against God, hard, difficult suffering is going to happen in my life. And it doesn't just impact me. It impacts everyone around me. It's never private. So for Jesus to walk into this religious festival, to enter the ER of his day, there's sick and broken people are lying around. He zero ins on this one particular guy. There must have been something. And I think John's bringing this up to us in John 5 because I think personally there is something in this man's story that's connecting his suffering to his choices. So when Jesus says to him, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you, there's something particular in his story that Jesus is addressing. We learn another part of the character of God through this, that Jesus is full of grace and truth towards us all the time. To each one of us, he's full of grace and truth towards us. So in this moment, he shows up to this guy with grace first. He's full of grace first and meets his immediate physical needs, gives him the ability to walk again. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He also applies truth to this guy. It's like he's lifting his eyes up beyond his physical illness to something bigger. Something worse could happen if this invalid for 38 years can't walk and now he can walk again, but he doesn't deal with his sin problem. He's got a problem. And Jesus is concerned about that. And so he's applying this truth. It's grace and truth. He came to provide grace and truth to all of us all the time. He wants to heal us. Jesus wants to heal us of our greatest sickness, which is a sickness of sin that all of us face. So through his life, death, and resurrection, he gives us eternal life, forgiveness. So stop sinning or something worse could happen to you is Jesus's way of saying to this guy, just like you couldn't heal yourself physically, I healed you. You can't heal yourself spiritually. I can though. Just like you can give you the ability to walk again, Jesus is saying to him, I can give you the ability to live again. We have no indication how this guy handles this truth. He's able to walk in one minute. He chooses to follow Jesus. I don't know what he does with this information, but unless he invites Jesus into his life, into his moment, he's not going to be able to walk and stand before God in his holiness at the end of time. And so... 
I wonder today if you're tired of being stuck. I wonder if you look at your own life and you see yourself in this guy's story. If you're tired of being stuck and you're asking the question, uh, can I get well? Can I get unstuck? Is that even possible for me? And I, I look at this guy's situation, and when Jesus asked him the question, do you want to get well, if he asked you that question, how would you respond? You know that phrase, do you want to get well, means something? It means, do you want to be whole? Like, Do you want to get well is a way of saying, do you want to be whole? Because some of you might go like, you know what, I'm physically fine, but are you emotionally fine? Are you mentally fine? Are you physically fine? Are you spiritually fine? Are you sexually fine? Are you relationally fine? Are you occupationally fine? Do you want to get well is more than just a question about physical health. It's actually a question about wholeness. Do you want to be integrated? Do you want to be at peace? Do you want to be full of the shalom of God? of his total goodness? Is there an area of your life that you're like, you know what, I'm not well in that area and I'm stuck and it's impacting other parts of who you are. And so when Jesus says, do you want to get well? He's asking the question, do you want to be whole? And I know for me, my answer is yes. I want to be whole in every compartment healthy. One of the things I love is this passage teaches the character of God. And throughout the Bible, there's this frame that keeps going over and over again. Throughout the Bible, Psalm 103 shares it. But there's this phrase that goes on throughout the Bible that describes who God is. It says that God is slow to anger and abounding in love. He's compassionate and gracious. You'll see this phrase over and over and over again. The Lord, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. It repeats this over and over and over again. So if you're stuck and you want to get well, if you're stuck and you want to be whole in any and every area, is this the Lord you're looking to? Because whatever spirit you're kind of chasing after or force that you pray to, whatever thought you have about who God is and who God isn't, this is the God of the Bible. He's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. So when you find yourself sick, stuck, struggling in sin, and the Lord invites you to himself to get well, you're coming to a God who's compassionate, who's gracious, who's slow to anger and abounding in love. Do you want to get well? And I think if Jesus asked me, do I want to get well? Do I want to get whole? My answer would be yes. But what happens if he follows up with this next statement? that he says to this man, what happens if he follows up with the statement, Joe, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you? Oh, Jesus, I want to get well, but I don't want to hear that. And I want to be careful to say to you that not every time we're struggling, not every sickness or suffering or stuck is the result of my sin. So I want to make sure that's clear. But what if, let me just play it out, what if the particular stuck or suffering or difficulty that I am in is the result of my sin. What do I do now? Look away? Do I want to get well? Or do I look at it? And so you might go, well, what do I do? Joe, what do I do? If the sin of my life is what's causing my stuck, what do I do? Well, stop listening to your appetites and your feelings as a compass. Stop. Stop complaining about how life is harder for you than everyone else. 
Stop. Stop being so gracious and never truthful. Stop being so truthful and never gracious. Stop saying this is the way I am. It's just the way I am. Stop. Stop being racist, sexist, xenophobic, homophobic. You could not disagree. You could like someone, not like them, but you always must love. There's never a place to hate. Stop. There's things that you just have to stop if you're going to get out of stuck. Stop mistreating people. Stop drugging and drinking. Go to an NA meeting. Go to CR. Go to rehab. Stop. There's a place in time that the stuck that we find ourselves in is because we are choosing to continue behavior that is what the Bible calls sin. And when we continue to do that, we get ourselves stuck. And you might go, well, Joe, he's just ranting about something. I don't know what he's talking about. Actually, it's what the Bible says multiple times. Look at what Paul says in Colossians. He says, put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, which is a form of worshiping something that's not God, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. When we trespass against God, that the Bible calls that idolatry, and God's like, I can't just look the other way. That's where my wrath comes in. He says, put it to death. You know, this, this piece of it is like, oh, my crayon's not working. To uh, Put to death... It, the New Joe translation is kill it. Just kill it. Quit it. Stop it. You got to stop. This stuff is wrong and you're continuing to do it and wondering why you're suffering. He continues in this part of the, he says, you used to walk in these ways. Joe, that was your past life, but in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Is the possibility that I'm stuck because my filthy language just rolls off like no problem? F-bomb is like everywhere. Is, that, is it maybe the reason that there's tension in my home? I don't know. Anger, rage in my house. Maybe I'm stuck. What am I supposed to do? Rid yourself of it, Joe. Stop it. Stop it. We want to have a nice, soft, like, God, we want you to be gracious. You're slow to anger and patient in love, but you're continuing to do sinful, stupid things that are causing you to be stuck, and you're complaining about it. Quit it, the Bible says. And if you're like me, you go, I've tried. I've tried. I've tried a hundred times to stop. I've tried a hundred times to quit. It doesn't work. What do I do? And I love when Jesus says, stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. He never leaves us alone in that. Like when Jesus tells us to stop doing something and start doing something else, he'll always help us with that. And so I love the promise of 1 Corinthians 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. This is so important, this phrase. No temptation has over, overtaken you except what is common to mankind. You know what this is? There are times that all of us whine, complain, sulk, wallow in, I'm the only one that struggles with this. Joe, if you knew my story, if you knew my situation, if you knew my circumstances, nobody else has it like I have it. It's so hard. I can't quit. I can't stop because you don't know my, you know, this is Paul's way of saying, nope, you don't get to play that card. No temptation has come to you that's not common, that there's this stuff has happened all the time and you're not the only one. And God 
is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He's your father. You're a son, a daughter. He won't let what comes through his hands be more than what you can handle. Whatever test or temptation comes through his hands, he knows you and loves you and will never do more than what you can handle. He will let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. So have you been trying to dig yourself out of this hole? A New Year's resolution, you know, you swear in the Bible, I'll never do that again. You'll dig yourself deeper. Run to the one who says, I am faithful. Talk to the one who says, I'll help you out of that hole. Listen to the one, follow the one who says, I will provide for you a way out. Walk with me, trust me, talk to me, obey me, follow me, walk with me, and I will lead you out of your stuck. Here's one last practical piece of advice from James, the brother of Jesus. He says, is any one of you in trouble? What do you do? James, so practical, let them pray. Do you hear that? Are you trouble? Is there something bothering you? Pray. And that's not talking to the ceiling or talking to some force or meditating. That's not what it is. It's the creator of the universe who made you and knows you and loves you and sees that you're stuck. He will hear your prayers. Talk to him. Pray. And the prayer offered in faith, not like wishful thinking, yeah, maybe God can hear me, but I actually believe he cares and loves and I come to him in Jesus' name. He will make the sick person well. He hears our prayers. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So if something that you've done is causing this suffering and you've sinned, pray to him and he'll forgive you. What a wonderful, wonderful gift forgiveness is. Are you stuck? In sin or some situation, pray, talk to God. He cares. You'll get well and be forgiven. Look what else he says. Therefore, confess your sins. This is right following it. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Can my friends heal me? No. But when I go to God and ask him to forgive me, he forgives me, but he puts people in my life to help me, that have the Spirit of God inside them. I've told you this before. In my 20s, I got myself into crazy credit card debt. When I just keep racking my card, go out for eat, fix this, change this, diapers, everything, and I have no money to pay for it, but I keep hitting that card. When I do that, that's a form of sin, my friends. To live beyond my means and just rack up tens of thousands of dollars in debt, that's a form of sin. You know what's awesome is God forgave me from my sins. I told him about it and I asked him for help, but it wasn't until I confessed my sin to my brother and talked to him about it that I was able to, over a couple year period, work through that and get debt free, right? And so it's the people in our lives that can help us. It's not people that can forgive us, but the Spirit of God is alive and active in brothers and sisters in Christ. And maybe one of the reasons you're stuck is you've received the forgiveness of God, but you've not told a person around you about your problem, and you keep falling into the same thing over and over again when your friend, who's got the Spirit of God inside them, wants to help you get unstuck. So I don't know where you are today. You're struggling with sin. You're stuck in some situation where maybe, just maybe, you realize that it's your decisions that are causing your problem. Remember, not all our problems are a result of our sinful decisions. Please don't hear that. But what if something is your responsibility? Here's what's great. God loves sinners of whom I am the worst. 
right? And so we have this God who is merciful and gracious, compassionate and kind, and he's like, come to me with your sin and I'll forgive you. Come to me with your struggle, you're stuck, and I'll help you. I'll never give you a temptation in what you're going through that you can't handle or a test that you can't make it through. I'll help you walk through that. I want to apply truth to your life and not just leave you, oh, be gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love, and not apply to you. You're sinning in this area. Quit it, Joe. Quit it. And not give you a way out and a community of people that'll come alongside to help you. This is the body of Christ. So I don't know if you're stuck in sin or some behavior that keeps holding you back, but I know Jesus cares. And like he made that man walk, he can help you walk again into new life. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the story of this man. We don't know the specifics of his life, but we do know there was something about his life that Jesus pinpointed an area of sin. And Jesus cared more about him. He just scanned with eyes of mercy a crowd of broken people. And there's something about this guy that drew his eyes. With undeserved mercy, he made him walk again. And he scans this place. He scans every heart. He knows that we struggle and he's willing to help. But are we willing to yield? Are we willing to surrender? Are we willing to listen? Are we willing to obey? Even when the truth that we have to hear is hard, are we willing to obey and follow you and surrender our will to your will? You want to heal us and help us. And so within the sound of my voice, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, who hasn't asked you for your forgiveness, I pray today online or here on campus that they would talk to you and ask you to come into their hearts. And you don't have to pray a magic prayer, but God will enter your life. He's slow to anger and abounding in love, but he's truthful that your sin will separate you from a holy God. And he sent Jesus to die for you and rise for you, to forgive you. So just talk to him today. He knows you. But God, for some of us, we've been struggling with choices where we make the same sinful choices over and over again. We need your help. Humble us. We need your help. Give us friends that can support us. We need your help. We want to be whole in every area of life. So help us, I pray. Thank you that you hear our prayers and you answer the prayer of faith. We ask this all through Christ our Lord. Amen.